This is God's Word for me today. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And the uh, title of my message this morning is Commitment. Commitment. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. What a beautiful day to serve you. What a beautiful day to enjoy worship with you and in you and for you. What a beautiful day to share fellowship with brothers and sisters of the Lord. Lord, I ask that as we study your word, as we as we dig into your word this morning, that you would help us to understand that it goes deeper than that. It's our commitment to you that matters most. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what does it mean to be committed to something? I think, I think if you look into your life, that each and every one of you will see that there are things in your life that you're committed to. Um, hopefully, if you have a job, you're committed to showing up. Hopefully, above and beyond that, you're committed to showing up on time. You're committed to showing up on time. You're committed to going. And you're committed to doing what you're supposed to do while you're there. Or you probably won't have the responsibility of the job any longer. And that's just one area of our life that we're committed to. But, but look into other things. You're committed to raising your children if you have children at home. If you're a grandparent, you're committed to spoiling your grandchildren. Okay? There, there are many things in life that we build in that we're committed to. A lot of people are committed to working out every day. I got guys I work with, they get up at uh, three something to go to the gym before they come to work. The young guys, don't get me wrong, they're not, they're foolish. You know, they aren't mature yet. They'll mature. But yeah, they'll get over it. But they get up and, and they go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning so they can be at work at 6, you know. And, and I'm thinking, that, they ain't right. <laughs> but they're committed to it. And it's something they do every day. And, and, and we see a lot of Christians that, that are committed to things that they do. And, and, and man, you, you see it and, and they brag about it and they talk about it. And, and just sometimes I just wonder, are we as committed to the things of Christ as we are to the other things that we've committed ourselves to? There's nothing, really nothing wrong to being committed to working out. I mean, it may seem foolish to most of us, but, but really there's nothing wrong with it, okay? There's nothing wrong with being committed to taking, you know, a, week a, month, a weekend a month and going fishing. There wouldn't be anything wrong with it. A Saturday... A Saturday a month and going fishing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being committed to saying, hey, I'll, I'll commit to this every Tuesday or, or commit to this. There's nothing wrong with being committed to things that aren't church. I, I'm not saying that at all. Matter of fact, as good stewards in our communities, we should be committed to doing things in the community. We should be committed to helping others. We should be committed to being good neighbors. But none of that usurps us from being committed to Christ. None of that should take the place or be in front of our commitment to Christ. So what does it mean to be committed to something? Webster says that commitment is the state or instance of being obligated or emotionally impelled. 
So there's a difference between involved, being involved and being committed, right? When, when my kids were in sports, I was committed. We had practice, we had games, we had all this stuff that I would never miss. With my grandkids, I'm involved. I go when I can. I love it when I love to see my grandkids in stuff. But at this point in my life, I'm not committed to going and being at every little thing they do. I'd like to be as much as I can, and I try, don't get me wrong. But the level is I'm involved with my grandkids. I was committed with my kids. And so sometimes I think we as Christians, we we get that a little bit mixed up as well. We're, we're involved in church. Well, that's great. We want everybody involved. And that's a start. Because before you can come, become committed, you've got to become involved, right? But God wants us to go beyond in being involved with God and being committed to Him. And I'm not just talking about church. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying But I'm saying with God. We get involved. We do this, this, and this. But, you know, I'm not really committed to it. But we need to learn that God has called us to be committed. This is another little thing. The difference between uh, involved and committed. Bacon and eggs. The hen is involved. The pig is committed. Some of you are getting it now. Some of you get it later. Some of you may not get it. They're both delicious. Uh, you lucky man. What is commitment? The Bohemian reformer John Huss died at the stake for his belief. He refused a final plea to renounce his faith. His last words were, What I taught with my lips, I seal with my blood. He refused to change because he was committed to what he believed. So, the New Testament church was motivated to be committed. Commitment, they devoted themselves, as we read in the Scripture, they devoted themselves. And so as we think of the biblical term, we think about, as we think about the early church, we, we see that the, Luke tells us that the believers devoted themselves. It wasn't devoted to the church, it was devoted to God. They believed so firmly in, in what Jesus Christ had done that they said, we are willing to give up everything to follow Christ. We are willing to sell our houses and our lands to follow Christ. The Greek word translated here means to continue to do something with intense effort with the possible impl- implication of despite difficulty. One of the things, you know, and and we just watched Cool Runnings a little bit of it the other night, and and so I got to thinking about that in with this this morning, Um, and and it was based on a true story, and when that happens, you never know exactly how all that fell out. But the one guy, he was committed to crossing the finish line. He was more committed to crossing the finish line than he was to winning, maybe, but in the end, when this bobsled wrecked and they were all laying there, he, his thought was, I need to cross the finish line. He was committed, in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the problem, you know. 
And that's just a, a you know, a secular, had nothing to do religiously. I'm, don't get me wrong. But do we take that same kind of commitment in our walk with Christ? Do we say, no, no matter what the difficulty or the circumstance or the trial or, or the failure that I have, that I have done, I'm committed to follow Christ, so I'm going to pick myself back up and I'm going to get back on the track. I'm going to cross the finish line. I may not be the first one to cross it. I may not be the smoothest one to cross it. But I'm going to cross the finish line. I'm committed to do whatever it takes to cross the finish line. You see, their devotion to the Lord and His church was not just a passing, if I don't have something else come up. If it's not easier to do something else, I'll serve the Lord. If it's, if it's not more convenient to do something else, I'll be a Christian. Like, Sunday morning at church in here, it is so easy to be a Christian. If you don't find it easy to be a Christian in, in here in church, uh, or in any church, but if you don't find it easy to be a Christian in a church setting, uh, boy, I don't know what, what the struggle is, but... On Sunday mornings, it, it is easy because we come in here and we love one another, and I believe that. We don't just fake that. We love one another. We pray for one another. We, we greet one another. We laugh with one another. It's so easy to be committed to being a Christian when, when you walk through those doors. Maybe the thought has been in your mind, oh, I just can't wait for Sunday because I know I'll feel good then. I know I'll feel like a Christian when I get to church. But what about on Monday when we hit the street, you know? We're out there and we're working and, and, and there's opposition or, or there's struggle or there's strife. Are we committed to being a Christian as much on Monday as we are when we come to church on Sunday? Exodus chapter 20 verses 2 through 6 in the New Living Translation, it says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other God. You see, God, He says, sometimes we put things in front of Him. And you know, we think today, well, I don't have an idol in my house, or I don't, I don't work, bow down to anything, you know, so that doesn't mean me. But what God is speaking about here is anything that is more important to you, that you reverence more than you reverence God. Acts chapter 2 again, but this time verse 41 and 42, it says, So those who received His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't that be awesome? The next time we have a water baptism at the pool, if we had the whole city of Hamilton there, and they all got saved, we would say 3,000 people got saved, right? We'd bring up some good old Warsaw people and some Carthage people, and just some Nauvoo people. We could just have a really good salvation message. That would be awesome, but you know what? That... That's, that is something that we could ask God for. But it says here, 3,000 of them got saved, that water baptism service. And they devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
those people that got saved, those 3,000 new converts on that day, along with the converts that were already saved, they, they immediately had a union in Christ. They immediately were able to join together as brothers and sisters in the Lord and begin to worship together and to pray together and to work together for the kingdom of God. That's an awesome thing. You see, there's, I don't quote a lot of statistics, so I take every statistic I see with a grain of salt. But this one, I've been in church for a long time. 55 and a half years old, you know. I count every six months because they're important to me. And I've been in church since I was a baby. I've seen a lot of things. And so I believe this statistic because of my experience. It says that 20% in most churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying there are people that are committed to doing the work of the Lord in the church. There are people that are committed to when you ask them if they will help on something that will be ready and willing to do those things. But it's a, it's a minority of the church as a whole. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You see, I think some people forget that, that when we get saved, we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We are a part of something bigger than worse all assembly of God. We are a part of something so much bigger than, than, than a fellowship of Christians in Warsaw or Hancock County or Illinois. When we get saved and we come to Christ, we become a part of His body. And as a part of His body, we have things that we need to do. God gave us a body. He built it out of dirt. He formed it. And everything He formed in it had a purpose. And I'm not saying that you can't live without your hand or your foot or your eye. Seems like sometimes people live without a brain, but we won't go there. Um, I'm not saying you can't live without a body part, but I, what I will say is if, your body, if that body part is gone, it's, you're something missing on your body. And I'll say the same thing in the church, in the body of Christ. I'm not saying that, that we can't go on but we can't go on the same, and we don't want to go on without. We don't want to continue. We want every part of the body to be there, to be involved, and to be strong, and to be healthy. Many people in our churches today think that the purpose of the church is just for Christians to have a place of fellowship. And so, when they come to church, and it just didn't quite meet all their needs, they're ready and ready to just go out and find a different place to go. Now, I'm not saying that this church is the perfect church for every person. I, I know that not to be. And I believe people should go to a church where they can have fellowship, but it's got to go deeper than that. That's why there is so much, we call it church hopping. Some people, every six months or so, they find themselves somewhere else. Because there, they, many times we as Christians look for what best serves me. It's that God do what you want to do as long as it's what I want you to do. Mentality. And unfortunately, I, I think if, 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 if every person in here were honest, they would have to say, I've had that mentality before in my Christian walk. I've wanted something so bad that I wanted God to want it too. And that wasn't what God wanted. <laughs> 
And hopefully you submitted to him and said, God, it's, it's yours, not mine anyway. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 in the New Living says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. One of the other things that we do as a body of believers is we encourage one another when we come together. When you lay hands on somebody and pray for them, that's an encouragement. When you smile at them and shake their hand when they walk through the door, that's an encouragement to them. We need to commit ourselves to learning everything we can. You see, that's one of the things that they did often. And you read, you read in, the, in the Gospels and, and you read in the New Testament and you read about how, you know, think about the Apostle Paul preaching so long that somebody fell asleep, fell out of the window and died on the ground. Paul went out and prayed for him and he rose from the dead. Don't worry about the fella. He, got, he was okay. But he preached all night long. Now come on, how many are staying if I'm preaching all night long? My wife will, okay. I'll give her that. <laughs> That's coming later. Anyway, um, I got a little story to share if we get to it. All right, so, so what, what is it that, that would drive our commitment level to say, you know what? I don't care if, if God's speaking, I'm listening. If it, gets, if it gets in the flesh, okay, I'm out of here. But if God is speaking, I've, I've sat in services that have lasted hours and it seemed like 10 minutes. And I've sat in services that lasted 10 minutes and seemed like hours. I'm just being honest. Okay, you can call me mean if you want to. I'm just being honest. <laughs> if, if God is speaking and God is moving, time flies. But if, it's, if God isn't speaking and God isn't moving and it's just somebody saying what they think they need to say, then, then I, I can understand sometimes what happens. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Not so you can get the approval of man. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Be a good worker for Christ. Have pride in your Christian example. Have pride in your Christian walk. Have pride in your Christian faith. Not the kind of pride that says, I'm better than any, anybody else, but the kind of pride that says, oh, I want to do the very best I can for my God. Because He's so awesome and He loves me. I want, I want to please Him. So I'm going to do everything I can to bring honor and glory to Him. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. For teaching, that's a good one. For reproof, e. For correction, ouch. And for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, the scripture that we that we love, and the scripture that we read, and the scripture that we preach is is not just written so that we can have some some things to read and some things to take our time up and some things, but it's there so that we can grow in the, in the knowledge and the faith of Jesus Christ. We need to care more than anybody else. You see, I, I can kind of envision some of these meetings when they were together and they were sharing their food and, and, and the apostles were preaching and, and somebody had, had something, a sickness or somebody had a hurt and I can imagine, you know, uh, a bunch of the people over here in the corner while the apostles preaching, they realize, you know, brother, brother 
uh, Sam over here, he's got a need, and they just start praying for him. And sister so-and-so over here comes in crying, and, and, and a bunch of the women just say, wait a minute, we've got to go minister to her. Why? Because they cared. Because they saw with, with the eyes of God that people had a need, and, and, and they were able to minister to them. And I think, why, what are we doing as Christians if we're not caring for those around us? If we're not caring for the lost and the found? You see, because just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't come to church with needs. That's why we pray for one another. Because we know that the enemy is trying to destroy us just like he is the world. And we just want to hold it. We want to care more than anybody else. My boss, and I've told you before, he's a good boss. And, and one of the things he says, he's always telling us we're doing a great job. He says, you know why you guys are better than most of the other people? He tells us, well, he might tell them the same thing, I don't know. But he says, you guys care more than anybody else. He said, this work group down here in Keokuk and Fort Madison, you guys care more about than anybody else. That's great and that's awesome. And that builds us up and makes us feel good, you know. But in the spiritual, as Christians, we should care about people more than anybody else. We should have something built into us that is ready to respond to people's lives. Fellowship. I think that's one of the things we probably find it easier to do than most other things in a Christian life. We fellowship. We get together. We eat. We laugh. We talk. But built into that fellowship needs to be something beyond that. Built into that fellowship needs to be uh, an, an element that the world doesn't have. An element that shows Christ even in our fellowship. An element that shows people we care, even in our fellowship. An element that teaches to put others before ourselves, even in our fellowship. And, and I know, you know, you, you, you start a fellowship line, and it's just natural for the kids to get in there and get in the front, and that's, that's okay. I'm not saying anything bad about that. But what I'm also saying is, we as adults need to understand, even in fellowship, we need to start thinking, who should I let go on the line in front of me? Is there somebody, an elderly person, that maybe is struggling to get to the table? Maybe I should go offer to carry their plate for them instead of filling my own. Just simple things that as Christians we should care more. And again, I'm not putting the kids down because they're kids, alright? But as adults, we should, we should care more about people than we care about our, whether, you know, to make sure. Well, what if there's not any chicken left? Well, there ain't any chicken this morning, so you ain't got to worry about it. There's plenty of soup, though. But but what if that piece of dessert I wanted isn't still there? Well, give me a break. I don't need it anyway. Because <laughs> I don't go to the gym. But, but as Christians, we should, in everything we do, we should care more about people than anybody else. And that should be a driving motivation as a Christian. And, and, and that, why do we... Why do we give money to BGMC? Is it so we can have our cute little kids go around with the cute little barrels and, and take our, our change? No, it's because we're providing for, for the world. We're, we're, we're building wells and, and we're providing materials and we're feeding kids. And, and that's why we do the things we do because we care about people. As Christians, we care not just about our family and we need to care about our family but we just continue to care about everybody around us. 
including the whole world. You see, uh, here's the illustration I'm talking about. You know, we all enjoy our meals and we all enjoy the fellowships at church. And this one particular fellowship, between a conversation between a pastor and a young boy, they have a little coffee fellowship after the service. And, and the pastor asks the little boy if he knows why the pastor served, that they serve coffee after the service. And the little boy says, I think it's to get the people awake before they drive home. <laughs> so I, I don't know what, you know, just take that for what, take that for what it is. When, when visitors come into this church, people, I say visitor, I mean like if I have a, like a pastor or a missionary or, or a speaker and they come into this church, one of the things, one of the things that impresses them is about how we fellowship. About how we talk and how we hang around and how we spend time together as a church body. They almost always mention that. The other thing almost every one of them mentions is, man, you got a lot of men in your church. He said, man, that's exciting to see that many men in church. So guys, they notice. People notice. But, but, but there's something about loving each other enough to want to hang around you when church is over and you can go home. And yet, people just hang out and they talk and they laugh and they enjoy the company of other believers. Another thing and one of the final things I'm going to talk about this morning is, is worship. They were committed to worshiping together. I'm going to skip some stuff, but in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, it says this, When they heard the report, the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. They lifted their voices together. And I just, I want you to understand my heart here. You don't have to pray out loud to get God's attention. Don't get me wrong. But when you do pray out loud, it doesn't confuse Him either. <laughs> when we got 50 people, if we had 50 people praying out loud during the service or during the worship or during the... God doesn't say, oh, wait a minute. Now, I was in, I was in court there a few weeks ago in, on the jury and... and when there was more than one person trying to talk at once, the gal doing the little thing said, I, I, I can't get it all at once, okay? Had to stop, and the judge had to say, Sir, could you wait your turn, you know? Keep your mouth shut and wait. No, he didn't say it that way, but, but, but you know, she had to stop because it was confusing. There were too many voices. But that doesn't happen with God. He doesn't get confused when we all shout and when we all worship and we all pray and we, all, we could all be praying something different. And God's still going to listen, and He's still going to hear, and He's still going to know, and He's still going to respond. You see, I like that. They all lifted their voices together. They prayed out loud. They weren't afraid to raise their voice. We need to, we need to pray. You know, there's many scriptures that talks about pray all the time for everything. And we've talked about that. That doesn't mean that you spend 24 hours a day praying because then you would not be able to work. And if you don't work, you probably won't eat. If you don't eat, you're going to get sick. And you're going to, you know, that's not what it's saying. But it says your, your life should be a life of a prayerful life, an attitude of prayer, an attitude of worship, an attitude where, you know, it's, you're in a constant communication with God. There are so many things 
that we can think about. And, and I, I thought fitting this, this message for this morning because we're having our, our annual business meeting after the service. And, and I thought, what's, what's something that we can take away from the service this morning that can help us as a church, as a body, to be committed to Him? And I believe, and I'll just say this from the, from the pastoral standpoint, I believe the more committed we become to God, the more committed we're going to become to the church. The more willing we are to say, God, I will do what you want me to do. I will go where you want me to go. I will say what you want me to say. The more we actually put legs behind that, the more we're going to see the need to say, God, I, I need to be more involved at church. I need to be more committed at church. I need to help when they ask for help. This is not a one of those shameless pleas for you to sign up for a committee or anything like that, but it's, it's just saying, when you think about your commitment level with God, do you find yourself saying, I'll do whatever you ask me, or is it I will do whatever you ask me as long as it meets my guidelines? And I, I said it before, I found myself there I found myself in that place at times where I only wanted to do it if it was the way I wanted to do it. Okay, God, use me here and here, but don't ask me there. And we have to say, just say, God, I'm sorry for wanting my way. So I, 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 I as a pastor, I'll be honest, I, even as the pastor, have to ask myself, am I committed in this church to pastoring this church the way you want me to, or the way I want me to. And again, sometimes I would have to find myself saying, there are times when I just want to do it my way, God, not yours. And every time that I would try to do that, I would have to say that it doesn't turn out the way with the results that I would want it to. And I have to understand that unless the Lord build the church, they labor in vain that build it. Unless it's God's way, it's not the right way. Thank you, brother. So I think as we close this morning, here's, here's my heart's desire, is that we will just say, God, I, I know that times I fight you and what you want in my life. But this morning, I'm going to say yes. God, help me to live out that yes. Because it's sometimes easy to say yes. To go on and say, Lord, I want to say yes, but this morning I want you to help me live out that yes. Lord, this morning as we close this service and this time, God, I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands because I think if, if we're all honest, every person in here would have to say, there are times in my Christian life I just want it my way. And so, Lord God, this morning I just ask that you would lay on each heart a repentant cry to you. Lord, that we would ask for your forgiveness for that attitude and that we would ask you to help us to say yes and to give us the strength to live out that yes. Because God is not about us, it's all about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about souls saved. It's about lives changed. It's about equipping the saints. It's all about the work that you want to do in us and through us 
So, Lord God, help us not to get hung up on the times we failed, but help us, Lord, to commit those to you and to say, from here on, Lord, I say yes. Help me to walk out and to live out that yes. Just in, a, in this last moment, just in your own way, just, just tell him those words. Just If you mean it from your heart, just ask him. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, and help me to say yes and to live it out. Lord God, as, we, as I close this time, I thank you for your, your heart for us. I thank you that you committed to us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross. And Lord, help us this morning to determine in our life that we will commit to you and let you lead us and say yes to you. And Lord, as we say yes to you, I ask God that your Holy Spirit's power will empower us to live out that yes in every part of our life, in every, in every way, Lord, that we will live it out according to your plan and your purpose. So Lord, I ask that you would go with us this week as we go. I ask, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us, Lord, down that path of yes. I thank you for it in Jesus' name.